Welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 36. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hello! Today we'll be discussing the 14th episode of season 2, Beware of Dog. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Beware of Dog. After purchasing a ton of produce from a prosperous farming system, the crew needs to buy a parasite killer to protect them from the contaminated food. Quickly, things go south as the creature shows up and attacks Dargo. The crew struggles to deal with a dangerous creature, a useless parasite hunter, and John seeing Scorpius in every shadow. I really like this episode for a number of reasons. First, it's kind of a coming down off of the intensity of the Look at the Princess trilogy. So it's kind of a quiet episode in comparison. And it's very domestic. It's just the crew on Moya doing their crew thing, kind of like we get to see behind the curtain of what they're like, especially at the beginning when they're not in a full crisis mode. It's almost like a sitcom in, in a funny kind of way because they have this parasite problem with the food or potential parasite problem. And so... Chiana and Dargo bring what's called a vork on board, which hunts the parasite. And the vork is this skinny little runty kind of creature that's really cute in its own ugly way. And it kind of like a pet. Chiana brought it aboard, but it latches onto Aaron for lots of com- comedic moments where Aaron is dealing with basically the new family pet. And then things get serious as it keeps going on. But it's almost a lighthearted episode of just getting to see the characters kind of on a on a low intensity low stakes day even though the stakes do elevate as we go forward yeah the tone of this episode was never super serious it's all kind of about this very mild thing initially because at first they're like oh the parasites are really dangerous but chiana's just kind of following around the vork and it's you know (laughs) i mean okay this is going to be a weird story but um when we first got one of our cats we put it in a bathroom because like we didn't want it running around all the house and we'd taken the toilet out of that bathroom and then the cat got stuck in the hole (laughs) that was in the wall of the bathroom and it, that's kind of what this episode felt like, where it was like very <laughs> low stakes, you know, like we have, we got the cat out, but it was like very exciting for a short period of time. Yeah. And that's kind of yeah. what this episode felt like, where like everybody's chasing the Vork, the Vork is pooping in Aaron's quarters, like, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, and then yeah. even the serious stuff, you're kind of like, you know, you're like, oh, it's serious, Dargo is dying, but then, I don't know, and everybody's treating it very seriously. But you know they're going to save Dargo ultimately. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, I feel like this is very much a pet trope, if that makes sense, rather than, I mean, there's parasites that are body snatchers too, but it really feels more like like they have this wild and crazy pet that they now have to deal with, and they go through this whole emotional arc, especially Aaron with the Vork coming along. Um, and so that's why it feels much more lighthearted to me. And also the musical choice, because whenever the Vork is on screen, it has this little da-da-da-da. I don't know, cartoony kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And I think you're right about um, the puppetry being really good. I mean, Henson Co., I just cannot talk enough about this company. I'm like, right? if they were, I would honestly <laughs> invest in them if like they were openly traded. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I would give them all my money because they just do such good work. Like, you care about yeah. this work by the end. And at the same time, you're right. It is like, 
it's like ugly cat, you know, like, like this is <laughs> this is cognitively ugly, but I still it's like still it. It's still kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to kind of set the stage, the Vork comes aboard with Chiana to find this parasite and it's just chasing it around and it keeps disappearing on them. And one of my favorite things is kind of this nuisance that they're dealing with. Like, it's supposed to find the parasites, but because of translation problems, they actually don't know, A, what the parasite looks like, B, what exactly the Vork does, because there's some skepticism about whether it can actually kill anything. They don't know, if, you know, if the, it's a microbe, if it's an insect, if it's something bigger. And I'm just going to play this first clip of kind of early on where the Vork has disappeared on them again, and Zan has found it, and she's a little annoyed. <laughs> Did you get the cage? Uh, yeah, but I don't think the Vork likes it very much. Well, what does he like? Uh, well, so far, uh, everything. The parasites? <laughs> Come on, little. What's his name? I couldn't just name him, Zan. He's a free spirit. Well, you can appreciate that. Well, I believe it's wrong to imprison any living creature. There are always exceptions. <laughs> so Zan, our peace-loving, not you know, is wrong to imprison people and wrong to imprison creatures. Is like let's imprison this one <laughs> because it's running around making a mess in my kitchen, and I want it out of here. I just love that. I know. And Chiana's like got the cage, and she's like, I don't think it likes the cage. <laughs> I know it doesn't like the cage, but I also love I love Chiana's like it's a free spirit. Like she's totally into like I don't know. It's very hippie. Yeah, there's this creature. She wants it to be happy. Wants it to run around on its own. Yeah. Oh, it is good. It's so funny. You're right. It it feels very domestic. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And no one's and usually a lot of Farscape's domestic scenes is like everybody really grating on each other. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we tend to see like they usually use the domesticness as like and then everybody's really annoyed and then something big happens. And this just feels like like Zan isn't even that annoyed at the creature. Yeah. She's just like irritated. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's not yeah. like nobody's like, Chiana, why did you bring this on board? They're just kind of like, <laughs> oh, my God, come pick up your pet. <laughs> it's in the kitchen. <laughs> and I think maybe yeah. that's what even though not a ton happens in the whole episode, it's. I just find this episode so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's delightful. I like. I, it's, I find it very delightful. And Aaron is is the one who says, "Chiana, you're the one who brought this aboard. You're responsible <laughs> for it." Like the the scolding mother who's like, "I'm not taking care of your pet." And then of course the Vork just like latches onto her. It comes into her quarters and poops on the floor, and she steps in it. And then she's trying to push it off the bed, but like a cat, it won't get off the bed. And and then it starts humping her leg and she's like you better come get it now <laughs> oh, man. and Aaron is the one eventually when uh, they're finally finally using it to hunt the parasite like as John calls it a bird dog but he won't deal with it because it chatters at him and he's like you you deal with it Aaron and so she's the one who eventually ends up carrying it around the around the ship yeah like on a as like a backpack because Pack. every time they literally every time they let it go it like runs off and they can't catch it they can't keep up it's so funny yeah. i think Aaron in this episode is really interesting because we are coming off of look at the princess where she kind of had to learn how to be emotionally open 
mm-hmm. a little bit. And you can see her trying a lot of different things in this episode emotionally. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about her interactions with John later, but I think that her interactions with the Vork are interesting because it kind of goes from, you know, Aaron season one probably would have, you know, put it back in the cage forcefully. And this Aaron is more, a little more mellow, I want to say. Mm-hmm. A lot more tolerant of it and his idiosyncrasies and Chiana for bringing it aboard and her and Dargo for who are the really the ones dealing with it in the initial parts of the episode. So actually, let's talk a little bit about Aaron and John this episode because it opens on John playing chess with himself. And that in itself isn't necessarily concerning, but Aaron actually is pretty concerned by his attitude about it. So let's listen to that. Yep. What are you doing? Playing a game. Doesn't seem like much of a challenge. Depends on how you play. You were mumbling again. Just thinking. About what? Something to remember me by, Crichton. <laughs> Nothing. Crichton, you've told me yourself that your species isn't accustomed to being in space for long periods of time. Now, I have seen cases of transit madness before, and if you are cracking up... I want to know. I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. The human doesn't want to talk. So there's another showing of what they do on their downtime when they're not in the middle of a crisis, and John is playing chess against himself. He's playing games just to keep himself occupied and he's playing chess you know he does one side and then he goes around to the other side when Aaron comes in to play both sides of of it and she's worried about him and I think the worry is I think it carries over from look at the princess where they just went through this really traumatic experience with Scorpius and having to leave and she's worried that he's going crazy she has noticed that he's behaving off the way he wasn't before the whole probably the whole Scorpius experience or something like that. And I love it that she's reaching out to him, you know? She really wants to be there for him and to try and help him in any way she can. And I think she's blustering over a little bit when she says, you know, I just don't want you to crack up and I want to know about it before I have to deal with it. That's kind of what she says. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of care underneath that too. Yeah, she ends a conversation with the human doesn't want to talk as this frustrated feeling where mm-hmm. she's so used to the John that's emotionally available and the John that's pushing her to be more emotionally available that here having John essentially be like, I'm fine, stop asking, I'm okay, go away, is really throwing her off the game. And it mm-hmm. feels a little bit like that's almost making her more concerned. Yeah, yeah, because he is not being the typical open about his feelings and whatnot. And for the audience, it's also concerning because we actually see what's going on in John's head a little bit. We see him thinking about Scorpius and his torture in the Aurora chair. That is very much what he is thinking about, even though he says nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? So then later in the episode, while the rest of the crew is playing Find the Vork, John is actually playing golf 
in the hallway. <laughs> and it's so good. He's quoting Caddyshack and it's the really classic Caddyshack scene where Bill Murray is narrating his own imaginary golf win at a tournament, you know? Yeah. Cinderella boy <laughs> <laughs> coming up from behind. It's really classic. And you can tell he's trying he's trying to normalize this feeling inside of himself. Mm-hmm. And it's just not really working. <laughs> and yeah, and distract himself from it too, you know? It's like keep himself occupied by doing other things. Yeah. And also, I'm sure the boredom on Moya doesn't help because there's not a whole lot to do besides fix her systems, you know? So I have to ask do you think it's like, I mean, Ben Browder is really good at comedy, but do you think there was like a reason they specifically chose Caddyshack and Bill Murray's character in Caddyshack for this episode? No. It's a very famous golf movie that's also a comedy. Uh, That's the only thing I could come up with kind of off the top of my head. I don't know, because I was kind of thinking about it. And I mean, it works on a couple levels for me, especially later, Mm -hmm. because the whole Caddyshack movie is trying to find this gopher and like how extreme you go to try and find this gopher. And then they're also dealing with pests on Moya. So that was kind of similar. Mm -hmm. And also, I think it's kind of Bill Murray's character in that movie is... He appears sane from a distance, mm-hmm. but kind of the closer you get to him, it's like you get to see the crazy more and more. And I, I don't know. I kind of felt like maybe that's how John was feeling this episode. I could definitely see the writers pulling that in. I mean, it's I saw Caddyshack when I was like 15, so I have like no memory of the movie whatsoever. But yeah, I think that's a really good kind of parallel to draw. Yeah, I could definitely see the writers thinking about I mean, people in film like to pull all sorts of parallels out whenever they can. And so, yeah, I I like that, though. They like that idea that they're pulling in a metaphor from from Caddyshack. Yeah. So he's playing golf in the halls of Moya. And that's when he notices like a trail of crackers going into one of the uh, access shafts, one of the vents where... Rigel typically hides, so he thinks it's Rigel at first. But then this big giant creature comes out, and it, he says it looks like tandoori chicken later, which is kind of true. But it's not of that color, and it looks kind has got like a carapace, and it's big. And so he shoots at it because obviously, big giant creature must be the parasite. And then no one believes him afterwards that he actually saw something because the only thing they know is ro- running around is the Vork, which Aaron does a hilarious impression of with her hands on her head, and <laughs> scrunching up her face. <laughs> and actually, Aaron has kind of been going around and telling people like, hey, John's kind of talking himself. John might be cracking up, which I'm like, legit, like people do need to know that. But at the same time, it does create kind of this moment where where John's like, pilot, search for, you know, have the DRD search. And then when they don't find anything, pilot's like, you know, I'm beginning to wonder if there's anything here, John. Aaron said you might be going crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's as much Aaron trying to talk to other people about it as anything else, you know, just like for her own comfort and trying to work through it. Hmm. Like you think maybe, or she doesn't know if it's normal or she's trying to figure out if it's normal. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, has anyone else noticed John acting weird? I think he's acting weird and I'm worried kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I choose, I like thinking of it that way as opposed to her just just saying, oh, John's crazy. No, yeah, actually, I mean, I, I kind of assumed because really only Pilot talks about it. So I'd kind of assumed that 
she talked to Pilot about it because she and Pilot are close and because Pilot yeah. has video of all of them. So maybe Pilot had <laughs> noticed something also. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Definitely. So John shoots at the creature. They're all looking for the creature. But then people are kind of like, they don't find it for a couple of hour arms. So they aren't really sure if it's really there. And then Chiana and Rigel get kind of cornered by it. Mm-hmm. in the maintenance bay and they're all screaming and everybody is running down and then the creature attacks dargo after dargo shoots at it yeah and one point about this is while they're searching john was in the cargo bay searching and he finds rigel by himself and that'll be important later mm-hmm. and that happens not too long before before the the creature attacks and dargo goes down and has a seizure actually because he's been poisoned. He's been poisoned. And they think it's the the parasite. So now they have to catch the parasite alive. Zan does her alchemy in the apothecary. Mm-hmm. I love that the whole fandom just latched on to calling it the apothecary. <laughs> well, that's her what lab. it feels like. I mean, even I in the last episode, they're like, oh, your broken leg got better in like no time. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, sure. Magic. I'll buy apothecary. <laughs> Exactly. So there's some like other plot stuff that happens where everybody's looking for the Vork. And then you see Chiana and John in the hallway and they're both looking for the Vork. And I want to play that clip because Chiana and Dargo are in a relationship at this point. And you can really see the struggle in her of how to behave in that relationship. Where'd it go? Damn it, Gianna. I don't trust Aaron to wing that thing, and she's a good shot. We have to get it into a confined space where the gas grenade could do some good. What'd you expect me to use? Harsh language? That was a warning shot. Yeah, well, 10 is more than a warning pilot. We lost it. I know what I'm doing, okay? I didn't ask you to come along, and I don't... Shh, Gianna. Go back to Dargo and give him a reason to live. And do what? What, sit by him and watch him die? This is the only way how to help him the creature is on tier three hammond side and moving rapidly and then shiana and john and then they team up with aaron all go to command and corner the creature but i kind of like here you know shiana is really worried about dargo and you can tell as soon as he hits the floor and as soon as zan starts doing her test shiana starts to freak out because dargo is someone who has become very important to her but she still doesn't quite know entirely how to react to this situation where he's hurt and there's nothing nothing she can do and so that's why she joins them on the on the hunt because that is something she can physically do she she's a doer Mm -hmm. and also i feel like sitting by somebody's bedside as they die is really making yourself emotionally vulnerable Mm -hmm. and i think she's right she literally would have to sit and watch him die and i think that that is really uncomfortable place for Chiana to be. Yeah. And also I was actually kind of annoyed with John for suggesting it, like basically saying, Hey, you're useless out here. Why don't you go be useless by Dargo's side? It felt like very much a, you're the girlfriend, go be his girlfriend. Oh, <clears throat> Reducing yeah. her to that role. And I was kind of happy that she doesn't let him get away with patronizing her like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is super like, go give him a reason to live Chiana. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my god, John, gross. Yeah, you know, like that was my reaction too. <laughs> oh. It felt it felt like it felt like maybe there was a better way to say that. You know, like yeah. like maybe like go see if Zan needs you or like go see if Zan needs anything. Like that. Like mm-hmm. I think his point is that he doesn't want Chiana to shoot the creature because they at this point they believe if they shoot and kill the creature, then Zan won't be able to make an antidote. 
because the poison right. will disappear from its body. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, ugh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't feel like it's out of character for John either because he, he's like that with Chiana mm-hmm. periodically. But at the same time, it is it is an interesting note. But it does give her something to push back against, which I really like. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, once she does, he's good. And they all go off together because they have no time to waste and get on with it. Yeah. So the, so they encounter the Vork and the, well, they encounter the creature on command. Pilot seals it all off. And then, lo and behold, it's the Vork who they think chased it on to command. So they're like, where's the creature? And then the Vork who is this little skinny, as we said, ugly cat, comes up and the the creature comes out of its mouth and it's like like a popple. It like mm-hmm. turns itself into this other thing. And and they're like, what? And then they throw the gas bombs on it and capture it and trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So the Vork has two forms. It is the skinny hunter and then this other other form that uses to actually kill the parasites. So Zan can't find the poison anywhere on either form of the vork because Aaron's been bitten by the vork when it was in its fleshy form and when it's in its you know hard carapace form they can't find poison either so John is actually the one that points out that like there's probably logic to these two forms Mm -hmm. and then they realize that they need to communicate with it because at this point they're scaring it. It's scaring them. No one is finding the parasites if they are on board. And John has the idea of injecting this creature with translator microbes. Mm -hmm. And I want to play the clip after they do that because (laughs) it's good. (laughs) Over here. Listen up. You understand me? We just want to talk to you. This is a waste of time, Crichton. Translator microbes don't take this long to work. Let's take it to Zan. She can dissect it, see if she missed something. Dissect it? Yeah, I say we kill it. Aaron, it understands what you're saying. Take it back. Take it back. Hello? I'm sorry. I don't want to kill you. That was... Terrible. That was... Look, Lassie here is trying to communicate with us. Yeah, uh, I don't understand you. Officer Sun. I believe it's asking why. Pilot, you understand him? Somewhat. Because of my bond with Moya, I am accustomed to non-verbal communication. While I don't believe this creature has language in a true sense, it seems to be expressing itself in a mixture of simple concepts, sensations, and instinctual reactions. Keep translating. <laughs> oh, my God. Aww. Can I just say I adore, <laughs> adore John and Aaron's back and forth throughout this whole scene. There's another bit later of that scene where she asks, are you the parasite? And John's <laughs> like, the answer to that is no. Who would answer that with yes? And it's just hilarious. <laughs> But it's just it's very much these two friends, and one of them is doing stupid things, and the other one is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. And also, I, there's just so much good in this whole scene, because yes. Aaron here is fabulous, and I just love her expressions. It's just everything about it is so good. Aaron's expressions in this whole episode range from 
mild irritation to extreme irritation to and then you kind of you literally see the softening on her face when she begins to care about the vork later on Mm -hmm. and you're like yeah oh (laughs) you know but so I just love that whole scene with her being like I say we kill it (laughs) apologize (laughs) that was a terrible apology (laughs) yeah pretty much and the other thing i really like is how pilot becomes integral to the plot here like Mm -hmm. they they can't understand the vork without pilot because he's an expert in non non non-verbal communication which you know i I feel like moya's non-verbal communication whom he is attached to is a little bit different than the vork but whatever we'll we'll go with it because it gives pilot a really good role to have in this episode as the translator and making sure everyone can communicate yeah and actually it's I do kind of like this idea of the creature not really having language, but, you know, because th- then at the end of that scene, Pilot is essentially like, the Vork just keeps saying friend, like, because they're trying to, they're like, why did you yeah. hurt our friend? And then the Vork was like, not friend, fr- or, you know, friend hurt. And then it's like, friend, 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 friend. 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 And you're like, okay, I officially now care about this puppet. And <laughs> I know it's not going to be good, whatever happens, and my heart is already breaking. Yes, yes, pretty much. Yeah, so Aaron and John go with the Vork and they let the Vork hunt. They're not sure they completely trust it, but they have no other choice because Dargo is dying. So they go after it, and here's where the other plot, the other happening with John is going on that comes back because he ends up seeing Scorpius right behind Aaron and then shooting the wall right behind her and she's like what what are you doing mm-hmm. and he's just he says you know just clearing my head so John is still seeing Scorpius everywhere and it's one of the interesting parallels I thought about when I was watching was early in the episode and even while they're chasing after the vork now they'll see like the vork gets ahead of them and they'll see it like around the corner way up ahead of them and it's just like a flash of something oh there's a monster up ahead we gotta go go chase it but john sees scorpius in the same way he's like a flash up ahead turning a corner Mm -hmm. and so it's like the mysterious creature or the parasite that they don't know anything about and then scorpius having the same behavior of and it lends that same mystery of why is John seeing Scorpius? What's going on here? And there's something just beyond the corner that's happening that we don't fully understand yet. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that. Because at this point, we aren't really sure what it is. Is it just mm-hmm. that? Is it just that it's so much on John's mind that he's thinking about it to the point of creating Scorpius Mm -hmm. in his mind, or is there something else going on? And so I kind of like the idea of as a narrative device and kind of in terms of from a show perspective, kind of putting Scorpius in that same position of he's right around the corner. We're going to get to him. We still know he's there kind of thing. Yeah. And and meanwhile, John is really feeling that pressure from Scorpius all the time. Mm-hmm. It is not something that goes away for him. Mm-hmm. So the Vork attacks Rigel and then disappears. Mm-hmm. And they take and so they all shoot at the Vork and then they take Rigel to the sick bay, and then they go hunting the Vork again. And the Vork shows them like it. Sh- he shows them the maintenance bay and they are the and which at this point has all the food in it. And yeah. so they're, they go in and then they kill the Vork. And then 
mortally less mortally wounded at this point. Oh yeah, so not they, dead yet. Yeah, so they mortally wound the Vork, and then right behind Aaron, John notices that there's this like black cocoony thing. Mm-hmm. And they re-remembered that that's initially how the people had described the parasites, how the locals had described the parasites, was left behind black cocoony things. <laughs> yep. And inside, they find Rigel. So remember way back when I mentioned that John had run into Rigel in the maintenance bay before the before Dargo was attacked? We don't know which Rigel that was. It probably was the parasite Rigel at that point, mm-hmm. because the parasite is a body snatcher, and they snatch the body and then take over and pretend to be the person so that you don't know that the person's missing and won't find them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Rigel. They, John points a weapon at him and he's like, how do we know it's really you? And Rigel farts. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then they're in such a rush to like to save everybody else from fake Rigel that they literally just leave Rigel like half hanging out of the like cocoon thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Rigel. And he's like, why Why didn't you notice that I was gone? <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so they know Rigel is the imposter. And meanwhile, now that they've discovered this, Rigel, the fake Rigel in the apothecary, suddenly comes back to life because he had expired uh, or passed unconscious or something. And you could see his face moving with these little parasite bugs and it attacks Zan and John and Aaron are running. Cause pilot lets them know that they have to get there in time. And it's just, this is what I love about John and Aaron. Like they're like, have such chemistry together mm-hmm. and they're just like the buddy cop kind of, you know, what everyone loves about buddy cop TV shows and movies. They embody that mm-hmm. and they come in and they're shooting and they get Rigel off and then they shoot Rigel so he explodes into all the little bugs and then John just like throws his weapon into the air and says cover me and Aaron catches it and suddenly she has two guns and it's just this <laughs> fabulous choreography that's just like I don't even want to know how many takes they took to do it but it was beautiful and so then he goes get some liquid nitrogen or something to freeze the bugs mm-hmm. and then at the end this is this is wonderful little kicker line that I love that I'm going to play what the frell is that? Sorry, Sorry about, about the mess. <laughs> I love it. So, so classic, like in perfect unison. That's what I remember about this episode. That was what I really remembered about it when we're coming back to it on this rewatch was that scene with the two of them just being in perfect sync and mm-hmm. me adoring it to pieces. Yeah. It's so good. It's so classic. I feel like it's a good throwback to PK Tech Girl, you know, but this time they're both faction heroes. Yeah. I And I think that, yeah, yeah, them being in perfect sync feels really good about this episode. Mm-hmm. So there's this fandom question, and you're going to have to remind me of which vegetable it is, but it's it's this like fandom question of when you've got two buddies, like two buddy cops mm-hmm. or something like that, do they pass the celery test, which is... If they are on opposite sides of the produce section of the supermarket, without saying anything, would one know that the other one wants them to get the celery, right? 
<laughs> and it, you know, you might have to remind me. I don't think it's celery, but it's something like that, right? I can't remember. I, I vaguely remember it. It's kind of gone out of fashion. Yeah, but I know it's yeah. definitely like old school fandom question, right? And so you've yeah. got like Starsky and Hutch, where like totally they would one hundred percent know, right? Yeah. And then you've got like Ray K and Fraser from Due South, where like <laughs> you know Fraser would know, but Ray K would probably pick up like radishes or something like that, <laughs> right? Yes. And I feel like Aaron and John kind of fluctuate. Do you know what I mean? Like in this episode, 100%, they would both know they want celery. But then like at the very beginning of this episode, it really wasn't that. They weren't that in sync. And I think having to do this adventure together, it really – it really did put them back on the same page. It put them back on almost a pre-look at the princess level. Yeah. Where they're back to being together like in a – in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really communicating again on that action wavelength, I want to say, because I feel like it's also the setting that they're in, too. Like, they're really good when they're dealing with a crisis together. Mm-hmm. And they they get each other. They, they trust each other. They're going to follow through with each other in that situation. But when you get to the gooey, emotional part, that's where it's still tough for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing at the beginning. But yeah, I think you're right. Like this whole situation really gets them really a lot closer to being together again on that same page because we see that in their last conversations of the episode too. Mm-hmm. So moving ahead to to that, they mortally wounded the Vork and now the Vork is dying. And I'm going to play that last conversation that it has while Aaron is holding it in her arms, like cradling it. And she's crying. I let- he says he's happy. Is there anything we can do to help? I don't think the creature understands the concept. End. End. He knows his time is near. I am so... So sorry. And that's where you get her real sincerity about how she now feels about the fork, as opposed to where she was, was just like, yeah, let's kill it and dissect it. But here she's created that bond with it. And that's why I feel like it's the pet narrative, right? It's Mm -hmm. the the pet that she didn't want, that was going to be someone else's responsibility that she ended up with. And then suddenly she's like super attached. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, the whole old yeller thing of, like, and now the dog is dead and everybody feels really bad about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, doubly so here because they're the ones who shot him, you know? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that didn't believe in him enough. Mm. Yeah. So sad. Again, like, uh, how does this show make us always care so much about puppets? <laughs> I don't know, but they really, really do. Ugh. And the other thing about that scene is is John is sitting with her and, and it's kind of, like, cuddled up against her back and means to be very comforting and supportive with her while she's holding watching the the vork die again that closeness has come back between them mm-hmm. like you were saying earlier mm-hmm. i'm sorry i'm still just not okay with this vork dying like i understand <laughs> that they couldn't just have like a pet do you know what i mean like, and also like what would it eat because if it eats the parasites like I mean, I guess it, yeah. it did eat crackers and stuff like that. So I guess I could have eaten yeah, that food. Yeah, probably eats other things. It just specializes in the in the other thing. I'm just saying that, like, not okay. Not okay, Farscape. 
we totally need that alternate universe where the fork just stays with the crew. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, Okay, thanks, Farscape. Thanks for making me have these feels. Not okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then it, after kind of having this whole episode of them kind of starting off in a place where he's not really willing to share and then having them get to a point where they're so in sync that they are able to cooperatively kill the parasite with barely any words they end up having another conversation because they come back to the conversation Aaron wanted to have in the beginning of is John mentally okay Mm -hmm. and she does it in a much more delicate way I think than she had initially done it yeah it feels a little bit less accusatory let me put it that way when we were hunting you uh, almost blew my head off that was a bad shot even for you yeah What's your point? What were you firing at? Really? Been uh, having these, well, I wouldn't exactly call them hallucinations. I've been having these flashes of Scorpius. Flashes? Like memories? No, they're not memories. It's more like he's talking to me. You ever been in a, in a crowded room? Everybody's talking all at the same time, so you can't hear anybody. And suddenly someone says your name, and then, like crystal, you hear every word they say. No matter how far away they are, it's like they're talking only to you. What is Scorpius saying to you? He says he's going to get me. He says he already has. I just don't know it yet. Why didn't you kill him when you had the chance? I tried. Tried. But I couldn't. Something stopped me. Something inside. Crichton, if you need help... I'll ask. Just like you do. Aaron, don't worry. I'm not gonna lose my mind. That's all I've got left. Ouch. And at the end, she kind of has this look on her face where she's nodding and understanding and still really worried about him. But she lets it go, decides to trust him. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I feel like that line of John's, it's all I have left, is so painful. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just agonizingly painful because he's lost so much. And I think even in the last episode, you know, he kind of lost hope. And even though now he's back and, you know, he's obviously not frozen. So, you know, he still has that hope of seeing his family again. You kind of get the feeling that that mentally his his I am John Crichton. I am mentally okay is like the last thing he's clinging to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a desperate hope that, that all he is is encapsulated within his own body, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so good. And I like that yeah. Aaron there. Cause in the very beginning, you know, it was kind of accusatory of like, you know, like, Oh, this doesn't seem like a very fun game. You know, are you cracking up? You're cracking up, you know? <laughs> and then here she's just kind of being like, so what were you shooting at? Yeah, she's got some concrete things to ask him about, and I think that helps guide the conversation. 
And I like that she brings up not being able to kill Scorpius because we mentioned this in Look at the Princess trilogy when they have that inexplicable vat of acid underneath the royal palace and John has the opportunity to throw Scorpius into it, but he doesn't and he can't. And we didn't dwell on it then because we knew this episode was coming and we knew what's coming next. But it's something going on that is outside of John's control is the implication here that something is preventing him from harming Scorpius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause even he doesn't know why he didn't do it. And it's, oof, it's just so good. I, I really, I'm coming back to your statement about Scorpius kind of being, you know, right around the corner for us, especially mm-hmm. just because of what's coming up in the next episode. And it's really good. Yes. So yeah. what would you give this episode? I think this one's a three for me. Like, it's a solid three. It doesn't blow me away, but it's still immensely satisfying. It's It feels like a a classic Monster of the Week episode in a funny kind of way, even though it's, like, <laughs> one of the only ones we have. <laughs> it's, it just feels like a solid three to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll go with you there. I feel like... I feel like for me, yeah, maybe like a 3, 3.5. I really did enjoy it. I was really upset when the Vork died, but it was a very mellow episode. And I think not even in the way it's some of the previous episodes have been. I know that in the past, like, for example, My Three Crichtons, one of my complaints was I was like, nothing happened in this episode. It felt really short. And it, that was very irritating for me. And I feel like here, it's almost the opposite where I'm like, it, nothing really happened, and that was just nice to watch coming down off the high that was like, look at the princess, where there was yeah. like so much packed into each episode. And then this just kind of felt like, whew, okay, yeah. let's take a breather. It was a release from that. And yet at the same time, the emotional arc with John and Scorpius and Aaron, and just the comedy of the whole, whole Vork episode as like their unexpected pet they did it so well that even though not a lot happens, it still is very satisfying because what does happen is very straightforward and simple and complete. And you don't have <laughs> obnoxious smart Crichton being an asshole. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Never forgive, never forget. <laughs> no. All never. right. So in Wardrobe Watch, everybody's wearing the same thing. The Vork yep. bites Aaron while she's wearing that um, leather thing that reveals her, her belly. It's a vest, yeah. It's like Aaron put on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Next week, we have... Won't be fooled again. Won't be fooled again. Oh, my God. If you haven't seen it, Definitely watch it before you listen to our podcast about it. Oh, yeah. Because there's nothing like watching that episode unspoiled. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find us. Uh, we are Farscape Friday Podcast at Tumblr Dreamwidth and at gmail.com. We are Farscape Friday at Twitter. Go ahead and hit us up. Did you like this episode? Were you bored by this episode? Tell us your feels. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.